0: Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. Today's guest is Louise Archer from Retained Search. She came on to the podcast a few weeks back to help me learn how to sell retainers. Um, I've been doing more and more retained work in rack to rack as my time is cut between multiple things these days, and it just makes more sense to focus um, more of our time on few of our of our clients. And as we wait for the borders to open, our international rector rec stuff is really not happening right now. So if I look at our revenue over the last few months, large portion of it has been in the UK and Ireland, and it has been retained. And I wanted to learn how to do that better. And I absolutely need to sharpen this up. And it's definitely something that I'm going to invest in a bit more. Um, Really interesting uh, speaking to Louise about how to do it, how to go about it. She helps agencies structure that and I think it's a really, really useful thing for anybody to learn and I hope you guys enjoy it. The market looks like it's picking up. America is open for business again and the UK has just announced that the pubs are open. So uh, hopefully next week will be the 4th of July and we will be having a nice pint and a beer garden somewhere. Um, hope your businesses are all still going well. I know it's been a tough time for a lot of you, but I'm optimistic about the future and you should be as well. There's plenty of work out there. You just have to know how to go about it. And once you find it, you should learn how to retain it over the weeks.
1: welcome to the recruiter China podcast I'm joined today with Louise Archer who Hi. is an expert at selling retained recruitment services um this came about because I've engaged uh, a strategic advisor i'm actually doing a bit of a series on it at the moment um so what i'm doing with Andy Hallett is he's come in And having a look under the hood at our lifestyle recruitment business, my wife hates me calling it that, but um, Andy will back me up on where we're at with our accounting, how we've done things and all the rest. And as part of that, he's breaking down all the different elements that maybe we could have done or could do a little bit better as we launch our next business. Um, And part of that was the, uh, the retained service, which I do a little bit but I probably don't push it enough and we tend to give Andy some excuses sometimes that doesn't work in Rectorect or Rectorect's different. So uh, he said, you don't know what you're talking about. Louise knows what she's talking about. So why don't you, you have to get her on. You have to get under the hood and, uh, have a bit of an old chat about her career and what she does. So give us a bit of an intro into your yourself and your journey into okay. our wonderful industry.
2: Okay, cool. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I'm a little bit nervous because I don't know what you're going to ask me, so um, I'll do my best.
1: <laughs> Next but, move
2: um, yeah, so I guess I came from contingent um, secretarial temps, actually, many years ago. I've been in recruitment forever. Um, I started um, at NES because my mum was one of the, one of the founding um, members. She founded the sec- uh, secretarial temps division. And um, I worked for Hudson. I was formally trained there. Um, I worked for Air Energy, which is now Air Swift, um, in the UK and the US. Mm. And actually, um, for, for them, I was the internal recruiter for a while. So I was recruiting recruiters um and uh yeah building building their teams internationally and um i still do some rectirect work now actually i'm um, only oh, because, yeah, <laughs> some some people um some yeah okay um so i shouldn't say that i <laughs> got it out oh, no. <laughs> I don't um, do
1: much in Manchester. So.
2: I don't. I don't advertise the fact that I do. I'm concentrating on the training. It isn't something that I want to do. Um, but yeah, I worked in executive search after being a contingent recruiter and in executive research. And it was then that I really learned the skill of retained business, mm-hmm. and I just didn't look back. Um, you know, I can't believe that nobody taught it to me earlier in my career. And you know what a different place I would have been in if I'd if I'd if I'd known mm-hmm. how um, how to start. It and, and what it was all about so ever since then I guess by accident I've ended up teaching um, I built the retain division for um, Air Swift um, and they uh, started in the UK and then rolled it out into the US um, and now they use their, that, that kind of model um, in, in lots of different locations I think they're spending about 12 million over in, in retained revenue now wow. so the, um, uh, let, me, yeah. let me
1: jump into some of the early day stuff um, what was it like having mum in recruitment?
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it was a different world then. That was when uh, we had to fax CVs and everyone smoked in the office. And we used to go at the weekend. Well, I, I used to go at the weekend and then my brother took over from me when he got older. But And there was just piles of CVs everywhere. And you, your task for the weekend was basically to file them all back into these filing cabinets in alphabetical order so the consultants when they came in could rifle through them really quickly. And um, yeah, I suppose it was good. My mum was really cool. She was great and she still is. So um, she taught me loads. She taught me so much. And I, yeah, I loved it.
0: And,
1: and you and your brother went into recruitment, having a parent in recruitment.
2: Yeah, he still works for Swift. He's in um, Qatar. He runs their, their Qatar division. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we did. Yeah, it's in our blood, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I, I, I'm curious, just as somebody who has young kids, um, i'm guessing your mom was just on the phone all the time like there was always things happening
2: oh god yeah there was always candidates in the house as well there was always candidates in the like i'd come home from school or whatever and there'd be candidates interviews going on in the lounge (laughs) or you know so and it'd be like shh, like interview you know pinned on the wall outside the lounge so
1: you don't you don't seem scarred from the the whole experience (laughs)
2: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I've probably begged to differ, actually. I probably have been scarred. Um, <laughs> she, worked, she, worked, she worked really hard. She built her agency up um, and then, um, yeah, sold her shares eventually. And I guess it's work ethic, isn't it? I guess it teaches you to be resilient. Um, my mum's incredibly resilient and very optimistic and always sees the, um, the good, you know, the silver. She's always looking for the silver lining, you know, and this situation now, she's just the same you know this is tough but just think about how much time you can spend on your business and how much stronger you're going to be you know after it all and this is a great opportunity so I think the successful recruiters that I know have that in common you know that their resilience
1: and uh, given that your 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 mom probably made a few pound on one of the events in NES how come you and your brother went down the career route and didn't go straight into finding a recruitment firm?
2: (laughs) God, that's a good question um well both my parents set their own businesses up and ran their own businesses and you know we never saw them we were we were brought up by well that's 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 unfair my mum would chastise me for that that's unfair they did their best but they worked incredibly hard and we did have you know childcare, and they worked very late and I guess I didn't want that I didn't want to be um I didn't want to be you know, beholden to that um business model where I always had to be in it and I was always working. And so I deliberately said I would never set my own business up. And um I don't know whether my brother feels the same actually. I guess he's he he worked for NES for a while and went straight to air swift and air swift have been so good to him and he's you know he really enjoys his career there and he doesn't see a need to, you know, to break away from that.
1: Yeah I'm just I'm always curious. I think to maybe Maybe it's easier today to have a bit more balance if you're running your own business than than it was then. Um, just yeah. given the nature of how hands-on recruitment was with every piece of administration that you'd have to do.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it is a lot easier now, and, and not just recruitment, but in everything. You know, the tech that we've got now and um, email, and the fact that you've got your phone, and you can be anywhere with your, with your with your office almost, can't you? Um, and it wasn't the same back then.
1: So, uh, wh- walk me through the early. Journey of learning retained. Who who taught you? What, what was that first couple of days like? Walk me through it.
2: Um, well, it was a bit kind of upside down the way I learned it. Actually, I think I made it sound quite simple when I explained it then, but it wasn't because I learned it first by um, kind of trial and error. I was working with a guy. I'm sure you won't mind me mentioning his name, Matt Howell uh, uh, Swift, and we kind of found. Fell into um, finding retained business just because it was most many soonest, and that was our task at that 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 crash and and the, where, you Is know, it the
1: 2015 crash.
2: Mm, it, yeah, it was, tough yeah. It was um, tough. yeah, I was in Calgary. <laughs> oh, were you? Bloody hell! Yeah. That's yeah, when we set up. This, it, that's when
1: we set up this business. We uh, we were caught in an oil and gas town and yeah, it was there. Uh, where can we go? How can we do something that we're not dependent on one single market? And I thought I'd created a business that was uh, bulletproof because I was in multiple markets, but here we are. <laughs> You're back in see. the UK now, aren't you? Yeah, we're in West Sussex now, uh, but we launched in Guatemala. So, Wow. Uh, yeah, I took the last of our savings and went to Guatemala, set up from there, made a few fees, came, did, a travel, did all the traveling stuff and then ruined my life and had children. sorry I I went in I I digressed a little bit there so walk me through walk me through what that was how how that came about because you're in a contingent-based business that also probably is a big contract business it's oil and gas kind of done a certain way how did you learn how to how like where were, where were you going for the answers
2: it was it was necessity um it was because we were working in engineering and there was um, the placement, the ratio, the placement ratio was just, was shocking basically because jobs were difficult to fill. Skill sets were niche. um, The clients wanted what they couldn't have. um, um, Candidates were at that time were, you know, were plentiful, but the really good ones weren't. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we were, we weren't making as much as much money as we should have been in in the perm in the perm division because of it um and the forecasting was just was really difficult and the business was finding it very hard to um you know to plan based on those forecasts and i guess the transaction was being planned at the time and and that was making it difficult so um that's why we i i I was running a desk you know i was i was running an engineering desk and i had i found it difficult to choose between which which job we should spend our time on.
1: Where were you based um, at this point, were you in America? In, in
2: Manchester no, back in La- Manchester. America. Okay. Um, and so what we did was start to be more uh, more picky about who, who which ones we were going to go after but we were going to, we were determined to go and um, get some commitment and it was Matt who had some experience with Retained and there was another guy in the business that had sold a few retainers so we knew it was possible and um and so we just asked for it you know you know and you know that I watch all this training by other other recruiters by other retained search trainers and they say it's easy you know you just ask for your retainer I mean it it turns out it isn't quite that simple but for me those first few it literally it was Mm. you know I remember the I never forget the first ever project that I that, that I won and that was with um a German engineering company and they wanted um They'd come to us because we had, um, or rather they were interested in, I'd approached them, but they were interested in what we had to say because um, he wanted EPC experience specifically. And he'd gone to Corn Ferry, he'd gone to Spencer Stewart, and they didn't even know what EPC was. You know, they're, they're quite, they can be quite generic. So that specialist expertise was what got me in the door. And I went over to Germany and I went and, um, where did we meet him in France? No, I think, anyway, we went over, went over to see him and and we just said you know this is how we would carry out this kind of project we need some security it's going to take some work and he said yeah okay and it was three positions um a head of quality or quality director head of procurement and um two what was it four altogether two construction directorships and he commissioned them all in one go it was like a 40 grand retainer mm. just the initial fee was 40 grand and we kind of came back and went shit how did we do that you know like how did we do that did that really happen um and we and you know Matt was brilliant because he really helped um like throw a load of weight behind it he was he he was more experienced than me at the time and had a big plan for this project we are going to absolutely smash this out of the park because if we do this is our case study for kind of everything else Mm -hmm um and and so that's what we did yeah we got we got a project team together and um there was three of us and we had our own little project office and we absolutely um we am i allowed to swear i think i swear naturally is that a bad thing is that okay um we fucking smashed it out the park basically We, we we really threw everything at it and we had um we just treated them to like this what we call like the blue brick blue ribbon service like this just everything like polished up with these everything wrapped it up in pretty ribbons and made it fantastic and um we never stopped after that uh we just used that as a case study and took it everywhere you know took it to their competitors their their peers their suppliers um and that worked and, and it and we were able to then replicate that model and work out okay how did we do that and we made a lot of mistakes and we learned a lot along the way but we basically built you know the the, the what they call their their, their engaged model their search model um on on the success of those first few projects so that's how i learned the kind of the nuts and bolts of it but then when i moved um into executive search and into executive research um you know and i moved on from airswift i then saw how it was really done and yeah. it was yeah. kind of it, yeah, it was kind of embarrassing but yeah. um, but it's really good to see you know we've been making it up really as yeah. we went along well,
1: Walk me through what you'd made up and then where the gap was and what you learned in the, in the search business. Oh
2: God. Um, so, I mean, a lot of it fundamentally was some, you know, w- was there. But things like the assessment of candidates, you know, we used to just make that up. <laughs> um, I probably shouldn't say that, but, but we used to. And um, I'm sure it's much better now. Um, but in, in executive search, um, you know, they, they, they do that really well. Um, and I've found that that's a big piece that's different.
1: And is that Um, that from a, from a testing procedure in terms of like personality tests and psychological test? Like, is, is that, is that what you mean by that?
2: Um, well, I like the best model that I've found is just simple competency-based assessment, just really simple assessment based on, um, core functional competencies and core behavior, three or four functional competencies and three or four you know behavioral competencies so getting that balance between the technical and the culture because i find that that is one of the reasons that contingent you know recruitment falls over because um you you might be able to find a technical skill set but it's always a bit potluck whether you're going to get the culture fit or not and if you've actually been able to assess against that and get some measures um you can well you 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 can reduce the amount of time it takes to to make a hire but you can also kind of quantify that so that the client doesn't have to guess that whether they're going to be the right culture fit you can almost give them evidence that they are going to be the right culture fit which increases your placement rate and their confidence in you and actually you know I think competency-based assessments are fantastic tool in general because not not just to give the client. the security that they know uh you know the candidate's a good fit but selfishly from a recruiter's perspective um it gives you so much more control over the process it's worth investing the time in doing it because well firstly if a candidate's going to fall out they're going to they're going to fall out at that stage you know they're going to pull out they're not going to go through a competency-based assessment if they're not really that interested so you can call them out early doors but also everybody wants what they can't have and when um I was being interviewed for one of my moves. One of the firms I interviewed at put me through a competency-based assessment, and then they put me through a headroom assessment, which was also excellent. And um, the other company didn't. And I joined that company in the end because I was so impressed with the way that they had selected and they'd put their, you know, their people through this process of making sure they were right. I, th- I thought it was brilliant. So it's a good tool for you know for those reasons, and it basically gives you a blueprint to say. Okay, if we're going to set out what that competency criteria looks like at the beginning of the project, this is what; these are the competencies that this candidate needs to be able to have, and then you present a candidate that has those. Then that's a candidate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very defined way of um, agreeing a shortlist.
1: Is there is there a search tool out there that you can that gives you certain amount of questions to? To ask people to... Um, to I'll tell you what's it.
2: good, what's really good, and I was looking at it with a guy that I was, I was coaching not long ago, actually, is that LinkedIn, weirdly, LinkedIn, you know, the, the joy that it is, um, has got some really good competency-based questions. It's got a suite of competency-based questions, actually, for free. I think you can just download it. Mm. Uh, and it, it's all scenario-based. You know, it's, it's based on the principle that um, past performance is the best indicator of future behavior. So it's tell me about a time when you know you've got to give it's not you know have you done any bd yeah tell me about a time when you've identified a client and taken it through Mm. into realizing revenue you know give me a specific instance and then um you know using something like the star method to get the you know what was the situation what did you see as the task what action did you take and what was the outcome to actually get them to and they can't bullshit you cannot bullshit that answer it's going to be really really difficult um and that gives you and the client the evidence that they've got you know, they actually have got that experience.
1: You're bringing me back to nightmare interviews I did as a <laughs> graduate. When I'm, when, I'm, when I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm squirming my way through, tying myself really? knots.
2: Yeah. Oh, no. Well, you know, it's good to prepare prepare the candidate, you know, give them a heads up of what you're going to do before you do it. But um, I found it really useful. And that was a big difference, yeah.
1: One of my grabs with executive search and not retained search, which are two things. Two different yeah. things in my, in my eyes. Um, I think there's a lot of bullshit in executive search. I think
2: like Agreed.
1: There's a lot of stuff dressed up and the process can be elongated just to increase the value proposition in the eyes Absolutely. of
2: Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh,
1: and I sat because I, I worked for I worked for a search company in, in Canada. I was doing contingent and I was just fresh from being brainwashed for three years by Robert Walters. Um, And I was really in the mode of of how they did things. I was, uh, yeah, I was, I don't know, is their colors blue? I was bleeding, whatever they were, they they told me to anyway. Um, But I sat there next to a disjointed search practice. And I went on a few meetings and stuff. And I was blown away by it. I was like, a couple of assessment centers promising that you're going to get them somebody down the road. Like,
0: not, and then, but the way that they dressed it all up, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah,
2: yeah. how did yeah. you do that? Yeah, um, and then put a fucking massive price tag on it as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, agreed.
0: So I think a bit of me, and it, look, when I speak to search guys now,
1: a lot of them don't blow me away. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm like, oh god,
0: really? Okay. And,
2: well, and this I, is exactly I, why. This sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, no sorry. but, <laughs> but this <laughs> is like, <laughs> this is exactly why <laughs> I absolutely. Love teaching contingent firms how to deliver retained assignments properly because they do it so much better mm. than the exec search firms do. So much better. All I've got to do is give them the process. You know, it's give through, them the- Walk me through <laughs> the process. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i can give you an I'm, overview of I'm it it's the really Trek, not very complicated it's really not very complicated but all you need to do is is you know is give them the, the the process of um of what it actually is and and make sure they know how to deliver it properly and then you can take them through the you know the most effective sales process which over the years of winning i don't know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of same projects i think i reckon i've got it down to Quite a kind of step-by-step guide now. You know that, that normally results in about I'll one or
1: three. That. I'll unpack that for me for a contingent recruitment firm. In terms of they're there, they're in a STEM discipline, they're used to doing contingent, they're relatively well known in their space. They have the same offering, the, the systems, the processes.
2: Yeah.
1: And all of a sudden, they're looking. They're looking at their. An advisor comes in and says, you know, you need to you need to get more money up front. you Need to be able to yeah. plan your cash flow better. How do you start with them to get them from the point where...
2: Well, I guess that's the first thing is... And
1: then retainers, what's the step by steps?
2: First thing is that I find that most contingent recruitment companies that I work with, or, or teams or individuals, most of them want to work on a retained basis most of them have got the desire and it isn't the first time it isn't a new thing oh shit should i really they're normally like yeah i've been wanting to do that for ages and they've tried it and they've had people in to train them or they've had somebody win a few and then it's never really taken off um and and so the first thing you've got to look at is is why 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 aren't they already doing it and the problem is i find is mindset and perception and preconception And some people like you you know you've seen a bloated exact search process and thought shit well that isn't worth it so you don't have the confidence to sell it because you don't believe it's actually worth any more than a contingent process and actually arguably in your mind maybe the contingent process is better and I or I find I get there's a lot of recruiters that have have seen somebody win a retained project and they've they've kind of struggled to deliver it or you know they might have done that themselves or they might think that retained search is just for exec positions and senior and basically they just don't really know what actually is it and is it any better than the contingent service Mm -hmm. And so the first thing to do is to, is to kind of give them the definition of that, of what, what exactly is retained search. Because if you can't answer that question really well and you don't know what it is, how the fuck are you going to sell that to a client? And so a lot of people say to me, no, I don't really want to know what it is. I want to know how to sell it. But actually, yes, you've got to... What is it? So it is. And normally, normally, i just go back one step. I'll go back one step before I answer that question. And that is that I first get them to look at the contingent recruitment model. So as a typical recruiter, contingently, how many jobs would you work on at any one time? I don't know. Most people say it's anywhere between five or ten. Some people say more, some people say a bit less, but they'll they'll have a portfolio of jobs. And then how many will you actually fill? So some people know their fill rate, some people don't, but typically the answer I get is normally one in five, sometimes one in four. Uh, sometimes it's 25 percent. Sometimes it's as less as 15 percent. Um, you know, the, the tech, you know, the lower level kind of 30, 40 K tech stuff is sometimes as low as that. Um, and then I say, well, OK. What I, what we want to look at is all those, you know, we're not filling 80 percent, maybe 75 percent of what we're working on. So why aren't we filling it? And then they start to get defensive and that's okay because then they give me all the reasons. You know, it's because the client's a dickhead or it's because the HR's getting in the way or it's because their expectations are wrong or it's because it's in a shit location or because the company's not very good or because the process is really poor or and, 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 and. And then I look at all of those things and say, okay, well, let's just take all of those one by one can you actually if, if this was a client that was your boss's best mate or your wife's best mate or, or your own best mate right and he's absolutely desperate for this person He's completely committed to you can you overcome those things he's in a bit of a shit location he doesn't really know what he's doing he's giving you a HR advisor to deal with can you actually overcome it and I go through it one by one with him basically yes you can you can put a really good process in you can make sure you've got direct line contact with him you can put an update call in to get regular feedback you can define what the competencies look like to make sure you get a clear brief you can get the evidence of um, salaries collecting data as you go along so simple you don't need a salary survey or to try and manage his expectations just give him the facts you know you can show your workings which means he's not just going to get to the end of the process and say I just want to see some more cvs because he knows there are no more fucking cvs because he's seen everybody that you've looked at and you know so yes you can do that so i say well why why don't you do all those things at the moment then if the, if that is going to fill your job and you know for certain you know if you've got all those things you're going to fill the job why why don't you do them all and they're always like i don't know actually and it's because it's not commercially viable to do all those things like if you did all those things for every single job There's one thing in there you can't control and he could still say, actually, I decided decided not to go ahead and hire it. And then you're fucked. Mm. Like, you'd probably go bust if you spent that much time trying to fill every job because you're at risk, basically, Mm. aren't you? And so that's what retained search is. It's financial commitment from a client which allows you to put a robust process in which mitigates against the risk of all of the things that could go wrong, which gives you as near as damn it a guaranteed fill. And lo and behold, you put a decent search process in, which isn't complicated. It doesn't need to be bloated and it doesn't need to be a load of bollocks and smoke and mirrors like the exec, search, excuse my language, the exec search process is. It can be straightforward and simple, but it is rigorous and it can give you a 90 to 95, if not higher fill rate, percent fill rate. All right. And That's what the client buys.
1: So we've, uh, we've had a bit of the sizzle here. Give us the sausage now.
2: <laughs> what do you, want? What do you what, want? How do you sell it? Um, well, I mean, God, that's a bigger question than like a few minutes. But what um, is the
1: process? I what guess is.
2: what I help people to do is yeah. to um, is to identify who to sell it to, and first as a, as the first step. And mostly, in most cases, I find that most people find their first retainers within their existing client. Base. basically um and and then we look at um you know how do we actually approach them and the, the most effective way to, to, to win, retain search assignments is, is face to face. And in our case, you know, nowadays it is on a call like this. Yeah. Um, you know, a VC call is perfectly adequate. A lot of people say, do I need to actually get in front of them? No video call is fine. You've perfectly, you know, there's no reason why you can't. I've sold lots of them over video calls. Yeah. Um, and then I think, um, you know, what's really important is to, um, what do, I, what do I do next? Um,
1: you probably want to
2: structure approach the deal. To right? secure the, it, 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 what did you say?
1: You probably want to structure the deal.
2: Well, um, it's about needs analysis and the way that I do it, and obviously everybody does it differently, but the way that I've found to be consistently successful is, is to really understand exactly what it is that the client, what their challenges are. Nearly every, I mean, I can't think of a client meeting that I've been mm. to um, where the client is not facing some challenges in talent acquisition of some shape or form. I don't know anybody that says, yeah, recruitment's fine, yeah, everything's cool. Everyone is either really fucking pissed off with it because they get shit supplier, they get shit service from their suppliers, or because they've got um, the, the quality of their CVs is poor or because um, they, you know, they just don't seem to be able to get the right culture fit or because, you know, and, 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 you know, talent acquisition, even the HR teams and the talent acquisition teams, as well as the line, um, face challenges, you know, in talent acquisition. And it's about first, like, really getting to grips with what they are mm. um, and, and taking them through, you know, a process to really dig down and find out where that pain is. And then um, it's about setting yourself up to be able to recommend the solution. And I find that, um, you know, I go out with a lot of contingent recruiters. I'm on the road meeting clients, um, really hands on, winning projects all the time. And I see all sorts of consultants from six months experience to six, seven, ten years experience meeting clients. And there's one thing that, you know, they've, they've all kind of got in common and that's they don't have a plan you know for that meeting so whether it's a video conference or whether it's a face-to-face they're just going to go they're going to ask a few questions and then they're going to see what happens and so i think it's no fucking wonder they don't necessarily come out with what they want um Mm. you, you need a game plan you know to get what you want and my game plan is that is to needs analysis and ask a series of questions um bringing them into the challenges they face in talent acquisition to then set yourself up to be able to say okay is it all right if um I've had a few thoughts on how we're going to approach that with you or or this is what you know, I'd li- I'd like to share a few things with you. Is it okay? And almost you're, you know, you're asking, can I can I talk for a bit now? Is it all right if I speak for a bit after you've been letting them speak? And then to be able to take them through a okay, let's just rewind a little bit. Let me you might not know, don't know how much you know about us, and giving them an overview of who you are, what your business does very, very briefly and really succinctly. Um, but but taking them through that um That education piece because similar to you know the retained search process itself, the way that I set the sales process up is to basically overcome as many of the objections as you can before they're even asked. And so by by setting yourself up in terms of who you are, your credentials, your backgrounds, who we work with, this is what we do, and this is and then you get into the services that we offer. Um, and I really like positioning and it 's different for every business because it depends on what their objectives are with the retained piece but it 's really nice to position retained search as an option um, for things like the more challenging critical senior positions mm. so our contingent service is, is is the service that we apply to easy to fill everyday hires. Our retained search offering sorry, the doorbell's just gone. one of the kids will get it. Um, uh, our retained search offering is is, is the uh, methodology that we apply to harder to fill, more senior, critical, niche, challenging, whatever positions. And that's our, you know, that's our headhunting service. And then it's nice to have another service to talk about just because I like the whole power of three thing. Mm. Um, and, and using that because this is a challenging assignment in whatever way, shape or form. And I find most assignments are, which is exactly my answer to your question about, does it apply to, um to um, rec Because most to assignments are really challenging, and I know because, you know, I've, I've done them. Mm. Um, that you know that, that because this is a challenging assignment, I need to be able to apply a robust process to mitigate against, you know, the challenges that we're going to face to make sure that I can give you a guaranteed result. And in order to do that, I'm going to need some commitment from you and some some financial commitment in order to be able to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Simple. Um, do you uh, how do you price it
2: loads of different ways like I think I think it's it should be flexible depending on you know where you are in your retained journey Um, and in terms of establishing it I think um, once you win a few projects it's much easier to win more and um, you know that's been my experience time and time again so price your first few to win um and then you can you know you know then I've successfully <clears throat> helped businesses to raise the, the prices so I think you can stick with you know uh, many of the assignments that we win we do a third a third a third um and I a lot of them we start with um you know this this is a more robust service and it carries a 30% fee um however for this that this first assignment what I'd like to do is demonstrate the effectiveness of the approach, for example. Um, and so yeah, I think I think we should be flexible. Um, if if it if to win that first project you need to reduce it to the same price as a contingent model under the with you know with the proviso that any further projects are priced at, at the, the rate that you know is is right, yeah. um then then do that to win it. Um you, but equally you, go on.
1: Do you get into that in the meeting or do you do yeah. is that a is that a
2: yeah 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 no we do no, it all in the meeting
1: ready to go in the meeting to, to...
2: um sometimes we have if we know enough about it we'll take a proposal yeah um but often we'll we'll um we'll do our best to close it you know in the meeting without having to send a proposal I don't really like going away with you know I'll send a proposal and I will wait to see what you say I'd like to have it yeah brief briefing <laughs> meeting booked we're team gonna have and, you in the
1: headlock yeah okay. um, <laughs> And what about uh, what about the world of micro RPOs? Is that something that you're seeing grow out there in terms of people trying to switch to a more retained model? Being able to uh, like take in a series yeah, of Yeah, it forever? is
2: actually. Yeah, it is. It is. And, um, you know, multiple, multiple higher campaigns, however you want to kind of package it up yeah, that that is, it. and and it's exactly, for me, it's the same approach, it's exactly the same approach, it's the same methodology, you deliver it in the same way, um, and, you know, it's just what, it's one of those markers, those challenges that, you know, clients face that can be solved with a better solution. I think the danger is, you know, and I like giving my stuff away, because I like people, you know, to have, a, you know, to, to be educated on that there being a better way, like my mission is to try and um, you know help people move away from the the nightmare that camp, contingent recruitment can be, and for us as an industry to um, you know to, to be operating on the basis that we should be, which is on you know commission on commission mm. you know you, you commissions carry out an assignment um, but at the same time it would be with the warning that a lot of people think that selling retainers is the hard the hard bit, but it isn't like it really isn't the hard bit is delivering and delivering consistently. And the problem with um, the problem with it is if you don't deliver consistently it's you end up exactly where you started because everybody loses faith in the service offering mm. uh, you the client the consultants around you the whole team, and therefore then nobody has the confidence to sell it because they don't think it works and then the whole thing's been a fucking waste of time so I just you know i'll say all of those tips on how to sell it, but with that that awareness that you have you, got it you've got to fucking deliver it you've got to deliver it if you win a same project throw the kitchen sink at it and make sure you smash it out of the park because otherwise you're never going to win anymore really
1: all right louise thank you so much for joining me um where can everybody find you
2: um I'm on LinkedIn I'm hopefully all over LinkedIn and um, my website at um, retrainedsearch.com and I'm just in the middle of producing my course for video so that you can sit in the comfort of your own home and take my step-by-step how to retainers with all the tools and all the processes that you need already there for you so yeah hopefully that should really be tough. easy
1: enough. okay well thank you so much for coming on really helpful.
2: no problem thank you for having me thank you very much